Leaves are changing on those trees, which means fall movies, which for those who are movie entertainment nerds, that means we're going to be having a lot of award contending movies as well as, uh, you know, winters around the corner, which not talking about Game of Thrones this time. I'm talking about things like Star Wars, The Disaster Artist, tons of great movies. On uh, episode 41 of the podcast, we're going to talk about fall and winter movie season preview. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm Jessica Quez. And this is episode 41 of the podcast. And uh, like I said in the cold open, we're going to be talking about movies coming out, the fall and the winter, pretty much all the movies you should or maybe shouldn't see coming up with the rest of 2017. Are you ready to get going, Jess? I am. I think this is like the perfect time to do this because we just talked about summer movies and like we were saying, like there were some really strong summer movies that we really enjoyed. And in researching this episode, I got to tell you, like I actually didn't realize how many movies I am actually very excited for uh, in the months ahead. So, um, yeah, I feel like 2017 has been like very consistent and is just going to continue out the year that way. So I'm really excited. We have to give a shout out to someone who left us a review on iTunes. Yay! Uh, special shout out to Morgan RM one two three three. She says, "Thank you for indulging my geeky side in multiple episodes. I feel so alone in my world with my love of TV and film, and basically wanting to watch everything there is. I've seen a lot of what you discuss, so it's cool to hear other perspectives. But I've also gotten great suggestions. Example: the following season one, Deadpool. Even though I am female, so thanks, guys. Smiley face." Hey girl. No, Morgan. Thank you for the five stars yeah, and the review. Thank you for letting us talk about films and TV. And like, hey girl, you can like anything. You can like Deadpool. You can like the filings. Does not matter if you're a girl. Don't worry about it. Yes. But yeah, thanks, Morgan. And yeah, if you ever want to talk to us about films and TV, like I'm always down. I love doing this so much. Yeah, Morgan, maybe you have some suggestions for us um, on some things you'd like to hear us talk about, whether it's certain shows, certain movies, certain topics revolving around entertainment. So please uh, feel free to email us uh, if you're Morgan or someone who's not Morgan, uh, entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com, or tweet at us. You can tweet at entertainbuffet or... uh, Jess, where can they find you on the Twitter? On the Twitter, I am at Jess Quaz, and on the Instagram, I am at Quasica. So yeah, follow me, message me, let's be friends. Not just you, Morgan, Uh, the whole world. Yes. Let's all be friends. Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me at The Pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E. And, uh, yeah, as always, please check out more Entertainment Buffet content. Um, We recently released the first episode of Awkbot, the Awkward Butler Robot. 
Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly an interesting project we worked on. Incredible work from Jerry Gonzalez and the actors involved. So uh, check that out. We also uh, posted the video of our play, How Does It Make You Feel? We have some more sketches, some more web shows coming out. We're working on some more live projects. Jess is working on projects in California. We got tons of stuff coming your way. So please subscribe, you know, follow us, like us, share, all that jazz, all the all the social media stuff that you hear and all I podcasts. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> what Brandon said. I just, yeah. I just ramble on all these things and Jess is like, yeah. Totally. Sure. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely. I think, like you said, we had a pretty good summer, and now coming up on the fall, like, there's some falls where it feels like once a month there's only, like, maybe one movie I want to see, but I feel like this fall there's, like, a good mixture of, like, at least, like, two or three, like, options a month. So, uh, obviously, it all depends, like, when or if we'll actually see the movies, but uh, there's at least options, which is always good. Yeah, I feel like there is an interesting mix of, like, big-budget, exciting films, like action-adventure, but then there's also some really strong Oscar contenders, um, some of which, like, I think are already out. Like, I think when Wind River is one that's a potential, like, Oscar contender. But I hope so. I hope so, too, because I really like Elizabeth Olsen. I like Jeremy Renner. Um, I love the director, and I, I want him to make more films. So, like, I hope that that does well. But it's also only September, and we have a lot more movies to come, so it could easily get overlooked. Yes. That's 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 what I was actually afraid of, which uh, the director-writer of Wind River, Taylor Sheridan, the last movie he wrote was Hell or High Water. It also came out in August, so I, like, I was a little worried that like it wasn't going to get acknowledgement for the award season, but luckily it did. So, um, yeah, that's uh, one movie that I still haven't seen. I really want to, Wind River. I've been only hearing good things. Let's, uh, let's move on over into October which uh, there's a movie I think you're excited to see, Jess, that's coming out the first week in October. Yeah, just a few weeks away now. I've actually been really looking forward to this movie, and that is Blade Runner 2049. Yes, for those who don't know, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve, Denise Villeneuve, um, who did Prisoners and Sicario. Prisoners was the first movie I saw of his, and I really liked it. And um, Arrival. He did Arrival. Arrival is fantastic. Um, so I am really excited to see how he takes on such a big title like Blade Runner. I think he is like capable of the job because we've seen his work in the past, and it's amazing. Um, not only that, but we also have Roger Deakins on cinematography. Um, and I mean, Roger Deakins, like a man like that doing Blade Runner, I trust. Um, but also this pair has worked together too, which is pretty incredible. So like he was a cinematographer on Prisoners, Sicario and Arrival. So we know like they have a good pairing, which makes me super hopeful because uh, like I, okay, I should preface this all by saying, like, I am not the biggest Blade Runner fan. Um, I appreciate the first movie for what it is. I think it's beautiful. And I understand, like, how important it is in filmmaking. But, like, it's not in, like, my top ten. Like, I don't love it that much. But um, when this sequel trailer came out, 
it just looked so gorgeous. I was captivated right away. I'm like such a, I'm such a sucker for colors and the color scheme of this movie just looks amazing. And that goes back to Roger Deakins. Um, but besides those guys, the cast also looks great. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Robin Wright, Dave Bautista, uh, Jared Leto, and of course Harrison is back for it. Um, so I, I don't know, like, I don't know what to think about, like, where the plot will be. I know that, like, Ryan Gosling's character, uh, is a Blade Runner officer, Officer K, and all we really know about the plot is, like, he discovers some sort of secret, and whatever that secret is, he has to find Harrison Ford's character, Rick Deckard, and, like reunite with him get him I don't know exactly like that's all we sort of know is like the secret that he discovers leads him on a journey to go find Deckard and we I don't know what's going to come of that and obviously we see in the trailer like they do meet and something's going to happen but um I don't know what to expect in terms of plot but I do know it looks beautiful it does I'll admit like Denise direction and you said Roger Deakins cinematography like it looks great um i i am kind of someone that's on the other side of the fence that i'm not super excited for this movie um i'm open to seeing it but like okay so backstory like where i saw blade runner um i didn't see it until like about a year or two ago the the original blade runner um and this is like one thing like i would love to like talk about like it could even be like an episode of our podcast, which is like expectations going into a movie. So expectations and overhype ruined Blade Runner for me straight up. Like everyone talked to me like it was one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made. And like, it's one of the top few ever made. And everyone told me that like, besides Indiana Jones and Han Solo, this is Harrison Ford's best role. And so like, it was just built up that I was like, this is going to blow my fucking mind and it's sci-fi and like a detective noir story. Like, Oh my God, it's going to be so good. And then it was just like, Oh, all right. That was, that was fine. You know, like it was very overhyped and like, it really ticked me off. And I was more so like mad at like the people that overhyped it for me. Cause I was like, you made it sound like that was, this is going to be like life changing. Like this is going to be a movie that's going to, catapult into like my top 10 like and it just wasn't and maybe that's myself for believing the hype but like and it's not the movie's fault but it just so like Blade Runner has been kind of tainted for me but then like when I heard they're doing a sequel and this is yet another Harrison Ford doing a character that's like 30 years old like he returned as Han Solo they're gonna do Indiana Jones 5 and then like this I'm like are we trying to do like like did we come full circle on all these ideas from Harrison Ford. Like he, like he's, we're doing another lap. Like it just, I don't know. I guess if Denis Villeneuve and Roger Deakins weren't attached to it or like Ryan Gosling, anything like that, I would straight up try to bash this movie. But because like all of these talented people are involved and the trailers do look pretty good. Like I'm not going to trash it, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not excited. Like everyone else is like, I'll see it. But I'm not rushing out opening weekend like I gotta I gotta fucking see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Like, does that make any sense? <laughs> no, totally. And I agree with you about um the first time I saw Blade Runner, 
Uh, I do have to say I have an advantage over you because I saw it before I went to film school and everyone jizzes their pants over Blade Runner in film school. Oh my God. Yes. That's what it is. It's film school. Film school has, like, some, sometimes we'll put these, like, movies up on pedestals and then you watch them and Fight you're like, Club? okay. Yeah, Fight Club is good. <laughs> like, but, like, come, calm down, you guys. Yeah, Brad Pitt spliced in the movie. I see God, it. Calm down. Put your boners away. God, uh, yeah, like, but, like. But so like I saw Blade Runner when I was like I don't know like fourteen or fifteen, and I had like a similar reaction to you, which was like I don't, what the, I don't get the big deal. It's all right. Um, but I think with like movies like Blade Runner, you have to always remember like when people put them on a pedestal, it's because they were so big for their time. Yeah. You know, so like considering like the time that Blade Runner was made and like what went into it, it is incredible. It is beautiful. But I'm in your boat. Like I watched it. Yeah. It, it did not. I don't think it's Harrison's best performance. I don't. But like, well, I enjoy l- it. Like, let me just say, like, before, like, it sounds like I hated Blade Runner completely. Like, the artistic direction, like, the production design, like, all that stuff, I absolutely loved in the first Blade Runner. Like, there's so many movies where it's supposed to take place in, like, a distant future. Or, like, for example, like, Gotham and the Batman movies, where, like, it's supposed to be different. And there's so many movies or shows where it just doesn't feel different. But, like, this felt like a futuristic, different world, like, in Blade Runner. So, like, I'll give it all the credit in the world for the the art department and the cinematography and just, like, crafting the look of the film. Because it did feel different, but I think the one thing that really hurts me is the whole, like you were saying, it's not Harrison Ford's best. He's very wooden in the part. And like, and maybe he's different in 20, uh, Blade Runner 2049, but it felt like he just like said all of his lines in the first one and like, well, it's because he may be a robot, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, but like, come on. Like, it just feels so just like, and then I walked down the street and then this happened voiceover. And I'm like, oh, God, put me to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like I said, like, I didn't love it. I It's not in my top ten. But um, I don't know. Like, so it's, uh, it is sort of odd for me to be looking forward to Blade Runner 2049 so much because I'm not, like, a huge fan of the franchise or anything like that already. Um, but I, I really do think it goes back to the director. I really, really, really like his previous work. And I think, like... Even if it was just a movie with him and Roger Deakins again and it wasn't a Blade Runner title, I think I would be just excited for it as well. So, like, I don't think it's the fact that it's a Blade Runner material that's got me pumped. It's just the film with these guys and in this cast. Minus Jared Leto. I could give or take without Jared Leto. He's all right. Like, <laughs> you know. But um, everyone else is really great. Like, I love Robin Wright. I think she's great. The more work she's in, the better. Um, and Dave Bautista, too. I've grown to, like, really like him. I I didn't know him besides Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, but uh, uh, isn't he in Wind River, too? We keep going back to that movie. I think he's in that, too. Uh, no, he is not. He's but, not? Uh, no, he was in Spectre. Um... But no, I, I, I love Batista because he was a wrestler. And so many people think when wrestlers become actors that they're not going to be good. But I think he is talented despite he being looking like a big muscle head. And also just because in wrestling he was a fantastic heel or villain. And so, like, I, I'm i not sure if he's going to be a villain in this. But, like, I hope, you know, he gets to shine. Because, like, that's the thing is, like, a lot of people think he's a big meathead. But, like, he does have charisma, as we see with Drax, like, when he's allowed to show it. But, um, so, yeah. Um, 
20 Blade Runner 2049. We'll we'll have to see. Um, I do have to say again, I think the main reason I would see this is because I want to support Denis Villeneuve because he's probably one of my top five directors right now, or at least in the top 10 for sure, because Prisoners was my favorite movie the year it came out. Wait, wait, really? It was my favorite year of 2015? That was honestly my favorite. Wait, no, you think of Sicario. No, Prisoners came out in like 2012. Okay, whatever. 2013. Was it 2013? Whatever year it came out, it was my favorite of the year. No, it was. And I'm always telling people to watch it because Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman, they're so fucking good in that movie. Totally. I like completely agree with you. Like, the cast was outrageous. Paul Dano alone is amazing. And like, just the the lighting of that movie, everything looks like a photograph. It's beautiful. And it's just so like haunting. It's yeah. such a great film. And like that, that was the first one I saw of his and I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite the year it came out, which you're right, it was 2013. I just looked it up. And I, oh. I've loved his work ever since. So like, again, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily like the Blade Runner material that's got me pumped. I think it's his work and the yeah. fact that I really like his previous films. Yeah. Because Sicario was one of my favorites that year. Arrival was one of my like top few of t- 2016. I still feel like Amy Adams should have won every goddamn award in Arrival. Um, but yeah, anyway, we we, uh, we should digress and like talk about some more movies coming in October. There's one I want to bring up that I really want to see, and unless I hear that it's like garbage and like the trailer was built up, but I really want to see The Foreigner. Do you know what movie this is? I do. I um. I've seen the trailer. I. Uh, I mean, I've seen Taken. So. See. Okay. <laughs> I've seen the it. main reason I'm interested is because I am a humongous Jackie Chan fan. I love the first two Rush Hour movies. I love Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights. I love Jackie Chan, and for a while he wasn't really doing American movies because he was kind of upset with Hollywood. He doesn't like how they edit his action scenes. Like, he does all this choreography and they edit around him. He's like, no, in China, like, we fucking show everything. So, now that he's coming back, and he looks to be doing, like, a drama, which is so unlike him, because in Hollywood he mainly did, like, goofy kind of action comedies, and so to see him look so goddamn serious and like kind of freaky at one point in that trailer, like I'm I'm interested. <laughs> like Jackie, you got me fucking intrigued, man. <laughs> so I don't know much. Of, I mean, I know who he is, obviously, but like I don't know a whole lot about his own career, I guess, so to speak. Is this when was the last time he did an American movie? Uh, probably, like, The Karate Kid or something. Like, it's been a while. Oh, that's right, The Karate Kid. And, like, he's in the Lego Ninjago movie. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's been a while. He's done a lot more uh, foreign films than he has in America. So I definitely want to see that. Um, what else is coming out in October that you're excited for, Jess? Um... Most of the movies I am excited for are actually in November. Um, one that looked sort of interesting uh, was The Snowman. Did you see the trailer for that? Which it is uh, kind of like a detective mystery, horror, drama, thriller kind of crime film that it seems to be kind of like the hunt for a serial killer. And it's starring Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, Val Kilmer, and J.K. Simmons. 
Um, so very interesting cast. Um, thoughts on, uh, did you see the trailer for this one, Jess? I did. I, I thought the trailer looked really unbelievable. Like it, it definitely caught my attention right away. It looked super creepy and suspenseful. Um, so I, I'm in your boat. I love a good mystery thriller. So I will definitely be seeing this one. Um, I don't know a whole lot about like the crew behind it, the writer and director. Um, but yeah, based off the trailer, it just looks like something like totally right up my alley. Yes, it 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 uh, I, I it looks like almost kind of like like Zodiac or like like some like a David Fincher like a really good kind of detective horror mystery thriller kind of story that's like it ah it's just it looks really good. Um, one other movie I just saw the trailer for this recently. Uh, have you seen the trailer for Marshall? I was just going to bring this movie up next. I have. Okay, go ahead. Y- yes. You bring it up then. Uh, uh, yeah, I I mean, I really like Chadwick Boseman. Like, props to him. He's, like, really starting his career off strong, and he's, like, still going. Uh, but, yeah, he was playing Thurgood Marshall. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know, like, the trailer looks amazing. For those of you who don't know Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall, um, you should study American history. He's the first African-American Supreme Court justice. And so it's just like about, um, it's about him. And uh, one other thing that I am really excited about is Sterling K. Brown is in it as well. And he is a phenomenal actor. I don't know if you're watching This Is Us like everybody else, but uh, he's (laughs) fantastic on that show. So he's one of those, he's become one of those actors that like if he's in it, he, he definitely like, ups the chances of me seeing it um and yeah it also stars uh kate hudson sophia bush josh gash josh gad sorry and james cromwell yeah uh i've seen a fair amount of this is us uh but another one sterling k brown is amazing in is uh american crime story the people versus oj simpson um he's phenomenal in that and uh yeah, there's a reason that this guy keeps winning awards. Um, at the time we're recording this, the Emmys were the other night, and he won for Best Actor for uh, This Is Us. So, like, there's a reason why he's winning awards. It's because he's an amazing actor. And then Chadwick Boseman is, I think, a really great young actor, too. So, yeah, that movie just, like... You hardly ever see movies about, like, courtroom cases anymore. Like, I feel like it's a genre, like, or, like, a type of film that's kind of, like fallen at the wayside um so i'm interested for that plus it's historical it just it looks like it's well made it does it looks like a really well done biopic um another thing too i do want to say that chadwick boseman was incredible in 42 did you ever see that i just saw that this year i really liked it that was an underrated movie that was that was totally underrated that and get on up so he's already okay he's already played (laughs) jackie robinson james brown and now he's gonna play thurgood marshall i mean like i and black panther and black panther right like he's playing like (laughs) these huge huge iconic guys and like i don't know like i've i've obviously haven't seen marshall yet but get on up and 42 like he is those roles he he is those guys like i don't believe it's the same guy playing the same two men like it's it's different people entirely so i definitely think he's gonna get into it with their good marshall as well he's gonna become that character and i do hope that 
maybe this could lead to some sort of Oscar buzz. Like, I know the Academy loves biopics, so maybe this will be something for him. Maybe something for Sterling K. Brown. Yes. So, um, another... uh, This is actually a movie coming in October that uh, actually... It looks really good, but it hasn't been getting the best reviews, and that's Suburbicon. Um, it's directed by George Clooney, and it's written by the Coen brothers. Uh, and also say uh, it's also written by Grant Haslov. Don't want to not credit a certain writer just because he's not as famous. But um, have you seen the trailer for this movie? I have. Um, I actually... I'm excited to see it. I, I like I like Clooney. I think Clooney always is consistent with his work. Um, he's just kind of one of those actors that like I don't know. Like he's he's always good, even if the project isn't good. He's good, um, and I I do like his directing jobs as well. So I'm excited, um, and I like the Coen Brothers. So I'm excited to see that. But I have honestly I have not been following the reviews about it. What have the reviews been saying? Um, so, like, one of the reviews I read, and it kind of, like, was repeated in another one, was uh, that the film tries a little too much. That, like, the film, like, the, the basically the one review said, like, the film tries so many different things that, like, because it isn't focusing on one thing, it, like, can't really accomplish any of them. Because it's, it, like, doesn't know what it wants to be. So, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm still interested, like, to see it. Like, uh, obviously, like, full reviews haven't come out yet. I think that was just from, like, I think Toronto Film Festival or another film festival. But, um, uh, I mean, like we said, it's directed by George Clooney, written by Coen Brothers, uh, Oscar Isaac, Matt Damon, Julianne Moore. Uh, Yeah. So I'm still interested. I am. I, I mean, you know, I'm not sure about the reviews, but this movie, I feel like, is just a golden-wrapped gift for the Oscars. Like, those are their people. All of those people you just listed are, like, the Academy's favorites. So I don't know if the week reviews uh, will have any sort of effect, like, on its Oscar potential. Um, so that's something we'll have to wait and see. But, like, as soon as I heard about it, I did figure, like, okay, those are those are names synonymous with awards. It's probably going to be, like, one of the contenders just based on, like, who's involved um, and how much money is backing for the campaign, obviously. So I don't know. That's something we'll have to wait and see to see if it gets that far. That's one, though, like, I am excited. I do like the people behind it. So I will probably see it in theaters maybe we'll see yeah um was there any other in october you wanted to talk about just to highlight a few uh there's goodbye goodbye christopher robbins wonderstruck thank you for your service and jigsaw so we're getting another saw movie Oh boy! That's all. Um, I think that's all we have to say about that, right? Yeah, I didn't. I've never seen a Saw movie. So. Ever? There's like yeah. so many to choose I, well, from. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about seeing it later, but like honestly, it just felt like torture porn to me. So there's that. Uh, shall we head on over into November? Yeah, I think um, there's some really really good ones coming in November. Some big ones, too. Um, One I'm excited for, which you might not agree with me, we'll see, is Thor Ragnarok. So, I I don't want to say I'm not excited for it, but 
I mean, I'm I've been known as a big Marvel Studios fan and comic book superhero nerd. Uh, I mean, I love superhero movies. I just have never been big on the Thor franchise. Um, part of the MCU, like I, I feel like Thor is better in a supporting role than he is as a lead. Um, but I am more interested in this one because it's made by the director uh, Taika Waititi. Taika um, Waititi. Taika Waititi. Yep. Which I've only seen. I loved the the Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, did you see that with uh, I saw Sam Neill? Sundance. Let me dip my fedora <laughs> and my cigar. No, or no but it's that a was pipe. really good, and I enjoyed that one. That was actually one of my favorites at Sundance that year. And um, did you see Under the Shadows? Not Under the uh, Shadows. Shit! What the fuck? In In the Shadows or something like that. I'm thinking of a horror it, movie that's called Under the Shadows. It, what we do in the shadows, right? Yeah. I did not see it, but, like, basically this director is apparently just always is doing hilarious work, and Thor Ragnarok is so weird because, like, it's the third Thor movie, and um, Natalie Portman's out. She's finally, like, get get the fuck out of those Marvel movies, which I just want to be like, shut up, you probably got paid plenty, Natalie. Like, <laughs> I, um, I yeah, I'm actually pretty happy she's out of it because I always thought Jane was like the most useless character. I it just sh- didn't work. I think with another actress who cared, it would have worked. I don't think so. I think her character was so poorly written. Like the sequel, that she's too. just whining about how like he left her. It's like, girl, he left you. Get over it. Why are you sitting yeah. there? Pin- like, oh, he's the she god of thunder. Me. Um, Yeah, exactly. What do you think? You're going to hook up with a god and he's not going to be busy? He's going to be busy, girl. And, like, why do you sit around waiting for him? That's on you. Um, So I'm totally (laughs) fine with her being gone. Uh, And I'm really excited about, like, the new additions to the cast, like Cate Blanchett, uh, Jeff Goldblum. I like Tessa Thompson a lot, too. Um, Yeah, apparently Sam Neill is supposed to be in it, too. So Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill from Jurassic Park reunion. Ooh. (laughs) Um, and it's, then, of course, like we have our like returning cast with Idris Elba, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jamie Alexander, and of course Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, well, Mark Ruffalo, I, and also Benedict Cumberbatch. I was just gonna say we get some uh, you know reunions, I guess, so to speak, um, or new meetings. I guess has Doctor Strange met Thor before? I don't think so. Uh, he he met him in the post credit scenes of Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if I stuck around for the post credit scenes in Doctor Strange. I cannot remember, um, but yeah, I mean, you're right, like. What's interesting, I think, about this one is that, like, the first and second are not the strongest movies, Um, so it's interesting to see where, like, the third in this franchise is going to fit in. To me, in the trailer, it just looks fun. Like, that's what I... I'm not going in expecting to be, like, mind-blown and seeing the best superhero movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm not... Like, but I am expecting it to be fun. It looks really fun, and... Uh, I'm just, I do enjoy, like, the Asgard sort of environment. I enjoy, like, the color schemes and the world that they create in there. So I'm cool, like, with going back into that space. That should be fun. Um, but I think going back to, like, what we were talking about earlier with expectations, I feel like this is a movie where a lot of it depends on your expectations going into it. Like, if you're expecting it to be the best Marvel movie, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're expecting, yeah. like, a cool 
two hours. Fun time. Yeah, like fun two hours where we just see Thor do some stuff. Like, you might like it. So, um, yeah. And yeah, I I think like I was really into the first trailer. I thought the first trailer looked really cool, uh, and I think Kate Blanchett looks like a really awesome villain. Um, but yeah, I'm not expecting it to be like the best MCU's pumped out, but I am expecting some fun. Yes. Um, so that, yeah, Thor is coming out the first weekend in November. Um, a movie that recently released a trailer that, uh, looks really good to me, Last Flag Flying. Did you see the trailer for this? I haven't even heard of this. What is this? So this is an Amazon movie by Rick, Richard Linklater. Um, it's starring Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, basically in the trailer they show Steve Carell... Brian Cranston, Lawrence Fishburne, they were all, they all served in the military together. And like years later, basically Steve Carell's son also soldiered in the military and now he's passed away. And it seems like the film is like, he doesn't want him to be buried like at a military, uh, like cemetery. He wants to take him home. So it kind of becomes like this road trip, uh, like drama, um, with these three soldiers who haven't seen each other in years, um, like Steve Carell, it seems like if he's going to get acknowledgement for the Oscars, it may be for this role instead of Battle for the Sexes because he, he seems to be going the more dramatic route where he he's kind of like, yeah, can you guys come with me? Um, and they're like, oh, what? Like just to like drink and catch up? He's like, no, my my son was in the military and, and he was killed in action. And like, it's just very like, it looks like a very heartfelt movie. And I mean like three powerhouse actors like that, like it's gotta be good for them to all sign on to this movie and Amazon's doing it. They've been on a pretty good streak with the big sick and, um, uh, some other Oscar buzz movies. Uh, like what was last year? The one that, um, Manchester by the sea. Yeah. Which I didn't see. But, um, yeah, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that does. Yeah, I always like Linklater, too. I'm a big fan of his work, so I'm gonna definitely have to check out the trailer for that. It sounds like it has real potential, and that sounds like just a great setup for a story, too. Like, oh my gosh. Another movie, I'm not sure if you've seen the trailer for this, but Murder on the Orient Express. (laughs) I have. I think it looks really like unique and quirky, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm gonna see that <laughs> definitely. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the trailer for this, uh, it's got Kenneth Branagh, uh, Penelope Cruz, uh, Judy Dench, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad. Josh Gad's like in so many things now. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Daisy Ridley. Like it's got a huge cast, and Kenneth Branagh is also directing it. But, um, yeah, um, this is also a remake, right? I think so, but I don't even know, like, when the original came out. I think it's, like, oh, God, like, from the 40s or 50s, maybe? Like, I think it's a... So... I don't know. I just looked it up, so it's based off a novel. Um, there was a film in the 70s, a 2001, um, TV film, and then also, like, apparently an episode of a show that kind of adapted it. But, um, yeah, so a big cast coming into this movie. A big cast and um, a really, like, interesting mystery, too. Um, 
which obviously is in the title. <laughs> so I think you know like what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, it is a really big cast, and it, the characters all look very defined and, and very individualized. So I'm very excited to see these really phenomenal actors like get into these really quirky roles like this in this setting. Um, it looks really pretty and grandiose too so i'm excited to see like this murder mystery in this environment uh so that's when i definitely will see i don't know like but with a cast like that do you think anyone has a potential of like pulling out for an oscar i don't know i mean it's i i don't really think so i mean it seems like one of those movies that like if nothing else happens to be coming out this week, that weekend, like maybe people will be like, oh, maybe we'll check that out. Like it just, I, I don't know. I feel like it could possibly be lost in the shuffle because there are a lot of big movies in November. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll have to see. Um, maybe like something like costuming or like <laughs> like right. something like that. Production design because it does look really cool. So like, yeah. I think you're right though. Like I think. Like, I might go see it in theaters because it looks so cool, um, but it probably will get lost in the mix with everything else, maybe. Um, it is a, you know, a hard... I feel like it's a hard story to sell to audiences. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that looks really interesting. Um, one Another one in November that I'm really excited for is Molly's Game. Have you seen the trailer for that? I have. I mean, hello, Sorkin's one of my I favorite know. writers. I was gonna say and our his, boy, our boy's back. His his directional debut. Yes, I am excited for that. Anything that man writes, I will see it. You best believe I will see it. Um, yes. And my favorite actress, Jessica Chastain, is the leading lady in it. And yeah. Idris Elba right behind her. Like that sounds incredible. Yeah, um, uh, I was reading a little bit about reviews of the movie, and they say that uh, Sorkin has another amazing script and that Chastain's amazing. So, like, those are, like, the two things everyone's talking about. So I wouldn't doubt if he gets nominated for one of the screenplay awards and then she get nominated for actress because... Uh, I mean, it's Sorkin. I mean, there's a reason why, like, Steve Jobs, Moneyball, you know, A Few Good Men, like, all these movies keep getting nominated is because his scripts are just that... Oh, Social Network, like, because these movies are just that fucking good. Um, yeah, so I I really think that ha- movie has potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think... Like the I in my opinion, like they're both very consistent with their work. I don't I can't think of uh, like a Sorkin movie that I was like remotely disappointed by. Like I am I'm so obsessed with him and I same goes for Jessica Chastain. But like also like the story of this just sounds like really interesting. It's like super I don't know, intriguing because it's like it sounds like one of those stories that you hear and it doesn't sound real, but it's so it's actually based on a true story and it's based off a book written by Molly Bloom, um, who was like an Olympic class skier who turned into running the world's most exclusive high stakes poker game. And with yeah, also, what the hell? <laughs> I know, like, how did how like I'm so curious, like, what's that story? Um, and also, like, people involved in her game are like. somewhat like celebrities I guess but what's interesting is is in her book she like renames them to save their identity so like one rumor that's been floating around for a while is like one of the actors in the book is based on Tobey Maguire in real life and 
uh, supposedly, like, that's who Michael Sarah is playing, is the guy who's, like, really Tobey Maguire in real life. Um, <laughs> so maybe, who knows? He seems like a poker kind of guy, so I don't know. Um, but also Kevin well, Yeah, Cost- Tobey Maguire and I think Leo DiCaprio were known for being... And, like, Ben Affleck, too, I think. But, like, they were known for... They were always entering the World Series of Poker and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's very likely, like, this is Tobey Maguire. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think... Like, again, it just sounds like one of those really, like, interesting, intriguing stories of, like, a person just getting themselves wrapped up into something wild. Um and so I, I'm interested to see it play out like that. And, yeah, it just pre- premiered at TIFF, like, a few days ago. And it's gotten really, really great reviews. So I think you're right. Like, it's very likely that Sorkin will be nominated for something for writing because his writing is that amazing. Um, I haven't seen it or read the script, and I already think he deserves a nomination. I think uh, Jessica Chastain is long overdue for her Oscar, has been for quite some time. So I'm always rooting for her. So hopefully this is the year. Yes. Um, so a movie that is probably, like, out of, like, all the movies the rest of the year, like, in my top three for, like, most excited for still. Um, way back, like, first week of 2017, I think I wrote an article for MoviePilot.com, like, the top ten movies I'm most excited for. And uh, this movie was in, like, my top five. The only reason it wasn't, like, higher is because, like, I hadn't... There was no trailer out. But it's three billboards outside (laughs) Ebbing, Missouri. Yes! So this actually won the... uh, I think it was, like, the People's Choice Award at Toronto Film Festival, which really surprised some people. They thought it was going to go to A Shape of Water or, like, one of the other movies. But, yeah, so... For those who don't know what this is, <clears throat> it's by the director's uh, screenwriter slash he was a famous Irish playwright, uh, Martin, uh, I, don't, I never know how to say his name out loud, McDonough? McDonough? I don't know. McDonough? Yeah. So for those who don't know, he, he's only done two films before. It was In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. And those movies are fucking phenomenal. Uh they just the the screenplays and also like his direction of the actors like the movies are just so goddamn good and um just to list off the cast for this movie Martin McDonough is, is writing and directing again it's starring Francis McDormand Woody Harrelson Sam Rockwell John Hawks Peter Dinklage like uh <laughs> amazing like the <laughs> like the like a tremendous cast and um do you know you know what this is about right Jess yeah no I I do um I've like you not as intense but I have been looking forward to it for a long time since the trailer came out uh it just looks incredible like Frances McDormand is one of those actresses who just is always unbelievable to watch and this time around she's a mother who's trying to get her daughter's case solved or at least push push the local authorities to like do their jobs and um she uses three billboards to kind of persuade them um so I think just uh, I think she's just gonna do so good like as a mother grieving out for vengeance I feel like she's gonna nail it because she nails everything she's always incredible and this kind of tension that this character will have I feel like she's just gonna deliver yeah a lot of people like I think they were revealing some statistics like for years if you win 
Toronto Film Festival, like People's Choice Award, like you at least get nominated for Best Picture. So like I really hope this is his first film that gets nominated because like his other two films in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths were phenomenal. Like those should have minimum won Best Original Screenplays that year slash been nominated for Best Pictures. But um, Martin McDonough, he like Jess was saying, like this movie just seems so like kind of like how this Irish playwright comes up with this idea that a woman, you know, in Ebbing, Missouri, her daughter's killed. And basically it's been like seven months since her murder. And she puts up these signs to Woody Harrelson, who's like the local sheriff, like, Hey, like how come it's been like seven, eight months and you have no suspects, no leads. Like it, nothing has been done. Like my daughter was murdered and it's like, it's just being shoved under the rug. So I'm going to get your attention and I'm going to get some answers and I'm going to find out who murdered my daughter. And yeah, it just has an incredible cast and his writing. I put his writing up there, honestly, with, uh, Sorkin and Tarantino, like his dialogue is so goddamn good and his character work, like, I, this should be nominated for, I'm hoping, Best Picture, Screenplay. Frances McDormand, there's been a lot of talk that she's probably going to get nominated for Best Actress. Like, she was that good. Um, and, like, maybe some supporting for some of the guys. But, uh, yeah, I am so excited for this film. <laughs> so, like, this might be a stretch, and maybe I'm just overly optimistic, I don't know. But there's something about this movie that just seems like it's an iconic film coming to us. Like, it's almost like, like, I know not to say Francis McDormand film again, but it's almost like a Fargo kind of like, like a lightning in the bottle kind of movie. I feel like that's what this is going to be. Like, this is going to be something very special and something very unique and something that we're all going to really enjoy. Maybe I'm just like overly optimistic though with it. <laughs> I hope not. Cause it looks great, but it does feel something like special about it. Right? No, it does. And that's why I'm hoping like, because because in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, like, didn't, like, for those who have seen it, love it. Otherwise, like, they're kind of under the radar, unfortunately, especially Seven Psychopaths. Like, I feel like it just kind of was swept under the rug, even though that had Colin Farrell, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, uh, uh, Christopher Walken. It had all these amazing actors, but no one really saw it. And then... This movie, like you said, with Francis McDormand like in the lead, I think it's just it's finally going to be the the movie that people notice him as a writer and a director, which like they should have been for years, but like uh, hopefully this is the thing that like gets him out in the forefront that it's you know every time there's a movie coming out like everyone gets excited for the new Christopher Nolan movie, the new Tarantino movie, the new Scorsese movie. Like I'm hoping. That it's like, oh, the new, you know, McDonough movie is coming out. We got to go see it. I know you've been a fan of his for a really long time, so I also hope the same thing for you. I hope he does well. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, stumbled across Seven Psychopaths. It just, like, the trailer was good, and I went and saw it in theaters, and I that was one of my favorite films that year. And um, then I found in Bruges, and it's just, yeah... If I haven't gushed enough, I'm so excited for that movie. It looks like it's just his perfect dark comedy writing where he, in those movies, he literally can make you, like, to the point of crying and then a moment later make you, like, crack up like like you're going to cry from laughing so hard. 
And I think that is such powerful writing to be able to bounce back and forth like that. And I think with the subject matter of this film, there's going to be a lot of potential moments like that because it has the the topic to go to very dark and emotional places um, and then kind of pick you right back up and make you laugh again. So I'm very excited to see it too. Uh, I hope it's just as good as I think it's going to be. And I hope you're right, like this becomes like his calling card of, of a movie, so to speak. Um, so that's what I'm very excited for. Uh, to totally switch gears completely, um, <laughs> another movie that I'm very, very excited for in November is Coco. Have you seen the trailer for Coco? I did a while ago, but so, uh, <sighs> go ahead and kind of fill people in if they haven't seen it. Well, it's... Okay, I think it looks absolutely fascinating. Um, it is about a young boy named Miguel who accidentally stumbles into the afterlife, like a plane of the dead. Um, it happens on Dias de Muerta, so it happens on the Day of the Dead. And that's... The plot is, is like, sort of held tight a little bit like I saw an international trailer that spoiled more but basically he is trying to find this musician that he absolutely loves and and he's also trying to get out of this afterlife he's stumbled into um I think it looks amazing I am actually not a huge like animation fan um I'll I'll enjoy the movies of course I love Pixar like anybody else but like I don't run over to see an animated movie in theaters, but this looks like one that I will because it seems like a movie you have to see in theaters with the color scheme, the details. Like, these characters are, are like, like I said, I'm a sucker for color, and I notice, like, the color palette of each character is so different so unique. Um, but also, I think what's really interesting about it is that the whole storyline focuses on death and the afterlife, and that's such a, a beast of a topic to take on for not only a film, but for a movie that's geared towards children. So I think that that's really fascinating because, you know, obviously we all die. We all are all going to go. But it's something like we don't talk about very well and we don't discuss much. Um, especially, like, how do you talk about it to a child, too? You know, I don't know. I don't have a kid. I'm not going to anytime soon. Like, I wouldn't know how to do that. So, like, it's really fascinating. Like, this beautiful, excited Pixar movie is about death and, like, how... How? What are they going to communicate that message to children? Um, but besides that, another reason to get excited is that uh, Lee Uncrich, I think that's how you say his name, he has also worked on a lot of like movies we know and love. Like He was a co-director on Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and then he directed Toy Story 3. And then his co-director, Adriana Molina, Adrian Molina, I think that's how you say it, uh, he worked on Monsters U, Ratatouille, Good Dinosaur. So these two guys definitely like have the experience of doing a really good animated movie. Yeah, I mean, the, from the trailer I saw, like I, I was interested. I think I just was waiting to see another trailer, but I mean, it's Pixar, and like they have, like sure they have had like some not so good movies and some kind of mediocre movies. But for the most part, they have a pretty good track record. And it's also, I think, kind of nice because because we are going to see a bunch of sequels from them in the next few years. I mean, we're going to see Incredibles 2, which I'll admit I'm excited for. There's Toy Story 4. Um, you know, we just had Finding Dory. Like, there's a lot of sequels and prequels and whatnot that they're doing. 
but they're also doing original work like Inside Out. I fucking loved. It's one of my favorite movies that year. And then, I, so this I am excited. They're doing an original tale again, and they're not just doing a you know a Cars three or you know Finding Dory where they're just kind of milking it into a sequel um, when they don't really need to. I agree. I tend to like their original work. I'm not a huge fan of, like, the sequels that follow, with the exception of Toy Story. Um, But, yeah, this one looks different, and it's a whole new sort of, like, landscape um, in dealing with, like, Day of the Dead and Afterlife. And what does an afterlife look like in Pixar world? So um, I'm really interested to see it. And I don't know. I would like to think that in dealing with such a a hard topic like death, there will be some really positive messages about life. Um, You know, because Pixar, they tend to, like, give you a sucker punch and then teach you a life lesson. So hopefully there's some, like, good positive messages that come from it because it looks like that kind of movie. Um, But, yeah, that's actually one that's sort of, like, not usually in my area of interest. But for this year, it definitely much is. Yes. Um... So, before we move on to probably, like, could potentially be one of the biggest movies of November, um, there's one movie I just want to give a shout-out real quick to, uh, The Darkest Hour, which, uh, uh, have you heard of this movie? I have not, no. So, it's, it's starring Gary Oldman, he's playing, um, the Prime Minister, uh, Winston Churchill during, like, the uh his early days as prime minister during world war Two, um and like the only reason i'm excited about this movie is because everyone's saying like gary oldman's finally going to get his oscar like so many people have said like he's one of the greatest actors to never won an oscar yet and um so yeah uh it, it the, the trailer it looks like an acting showcase for him and ben uh mendelson and uh yeah it just like even though it may be a movie that doesn't win best picture or anything like that a lot of people are like yes gary oldman finally get your oscar because he's a fucking chameleon <laughs> he is he is so great have i ever told you about like the really weird thing my brain does when i hear gary oldman's name okay so <laughs> like that? this is so weird and i don't know where it started but well no i do know where it started so like when alan rickman died obviously that was like really tragic we were all really sad he's a great actor but for some reason, even though I know Alan Rickman and Gary Oldman are two very different men, <laughs> when I heard Alan Rickman died, I thought it was Gary Oldman who died. I don't know why. It's, like, just one of those weird things my brain, like, glitched out on. And so for, like, the longest time, I was like, oh, my God, like, that's really sad. He was, like, so good. Like, he was so good in the dark night. Oh, my God. And so, like, every time... So that, but then I realized, like, I, it was actually Alan Rickman who died. And then it was Hans Gruber that's dead. Like, very different person. So now whenever I... I swear to God, this happens. Whenever I hear Gary Oldman's name, I know he's alive. I'm very well aware he's alive. But there is, like, five seconds in my brain where I'm like, oh, God, he's such a good actor. Like, it's so sad he's dead. Wait, he's not dead. That was Alan Rickman. So, like, every time... I swear to God, this happens every time I hear Gary Oldman... So this is how you should remember it. It's the villain from Die Hard died, not the villain from Air Force One. Okay, yes. And I love those movies, too. Like, that's the wacky thing. I love those movies. I love Get them off those my movies. plane. But, like, for some <laughs> reason, it doesn't click that he's very much alive and he's totally fine. Like, every time I hear his name, I mourn him, and then I get excited that he's not dead. It's really weird. I get excited that he's not dead. 
like um, every time. So, but I hope yeah. he gets an Oscar because you know he deserves it. He deserves it. He does. So, Jess, we got ourselves one more big film to talk about in November. And no, it's not Daddy's Home 2. It's Justice League. Oh. So, Jess, I'll, I'll let you start because I'll probably rant. I mean, I think <laughs> I will too. So, I mean, but I feel Go like, right like my rant is going to be shorter. I know that because I'm not like the comic book fan that you are. So I'm coming from it at a different angle completely. But... God, does this movie just not excite me at all, like, at all. Um, Honestly, for me, the only two elements of it that excite me are Wonder Woman, because I really, really enjoyed the movie, and Jason Moma, who is my dream man. Like, the man I want to end up with is basically just like Jason Moma. Um... Momoa. I love him so much, I don't even need to say his last name, right? Because it's just, we have a bond. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think he's a perfect choice for Aquaman. He's a great actor. I think I want him to just succeed. So those two are like, okay, that's cool additions. But neither of those things are going to get me to go see it at all. I don't think um, Wonder Woman can carry garbage all by herself. I think she needs some help, because it's a huge truckload of it, you guys. Um... And I think, I don't know, my thing about Aquaman 2 is that DCU had announced right before Batman vs. Superman came out, like, we're going to have Batman and Superman, but also Wonder Woman and The Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg. Like, they announced all these characters that were going to be in BVS. So I actually went to the theater knowing that it was going to be bad, knowing full well it was going to be shit. But hey... Jason Momoa is going to be Aquaman, and I'm going to see Wonder Woman. Like, all right, I'll check it out. And then, like, Wonder Woman, they just didn't know what to do with her, and Aquaman was in it for, like, five seconds. So after all that buildup, it was to literal nothing. Um, So for this movie, this time around, it's like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, fuck no, you're not getting my money. Like, that's how I feel about this. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, I feel like, okay, so, like, this movie has, like, a lot of controversy around it, based around, obviously, the DCEU, right now, they are one for four, um, which is, Man of Steel was not good, BVS was not good, Suicide Squad was not good, Wonder Woman was pretty good, and then now, like, Justice League... Like, so, I need to stop you right there because I think you made a very incorrect statement, which was <laughs> that Batman versus Superman was not good. And not only was it not good, Brandon, it was absolute garbage. It was Okay, no, like, I was trying to I'm sorry. I like, was trying to restrain myself because <laughs> I know I can go off about BVS. But so no. Like they're, they're they're bad. They're really bad. And they're like like irredeemably bad and like whenever people are like no they're good I'm like no I think you're just you love DC comics so much that you're like they're good and I'm like no I prefer to like good movies like The Dark Knight like Batman Begins like when Warner Brothers and DC actually puts people in charge that know what they're doing and so anyway this movie is 
also directed by Zack Snyder, but there's been controversy because Zack Snyder had to step down for some personal reasons, which I'm not going to fault him for. You know, like, uh, basically hearing what the situation was, I totally understand why he would step down from this movie. But as far as his filmmaking career, this is basically just upon his career and not at all about him personally as a human, because obviously I don't know him. But his career, like... Man of Steel, BVS, and like so many films before him, they're just, they look great, but the story and the acting and the characters, like they're just not good. And like that was the biggest problem with BVS. And like there was this great video essay about it, was like there's really no arc for Superman in that movie. He's like the same from the beginning to the end. Batman sort of has an arc that, hey, maybe I shouldn't kill Superman, but like is that really an arc? So. Justice League looks like like he still hadn't learned his lesson yet. Because like the only reason I think Wonder Woman was good is because it was Patty Jenkins and because they lightened it up. It wasn't so dark and grungy looking. It didn't quite have as much as that green screen glossy feel that Zack Snyder puts on his movies. It still had plenty of slow-mo, but it tried to tone it down a little bit. And it like added some more humor. But Justice League just does not... Yes, Joss Whedon is coming on to direct it. And yes, there's been reshoots. Yes, like, he may change the script. But, like, I'm sorry, guys. Joss can't fix it. I don't care what you say. I've seen plenty of the footage. And the way they've set up the DCEU, it's not going to work. It's just not. And I, like, and I hate to just sound like a snobby, know-it-all asshole. But, like, I feel like I was the only one that, like, when BVS was coming out, I was like, guys this doesn't look good. And everyone's like, no, like it could be because of this. And I'm like, guys, no, it doesn't look good. And then everyone was so surprised when it wasn't good. I was like, what did you think? They showed the shitty CGI doomsday in the trailer and gave away the whole movie. So I think the biggest reason why I've not have any, I have like no feelings towards justice league is because the setup for Batman versus Superman was like before it came out. It was it was sort of going to be like the foundation of this universe that DC was going to pretty much do a reverse Marvel and have them like all in one movie, and then do sort of our like separate films. Um, so for me, like yes, Suicide Squad is bad. Yes, uh, Man of Steel is not good, but. BVS is its own class of garbage. It's so bad. It's almost, like, offensive how bad it is. Like, you expected me to just shell over my money and respond okay to that. But what I think hurts DC so much is how bad that movie was and the setup they put on it. Like, it was on this pedestal of it's going to be the next big superhero movie. You're right, like, fans of the DC universe were almost, like, just drinking the Kool-Aid and, like, going along with it. Like, okay, it's going to be my comic book in a movie. Yes, I'm so pumped. They almost, like, didn't see the trailer that I saw because I was with you the whole time. I was like, this is not going to be good. A lot of people are going to be really upset by this. This is not going to make the money they think it's going to make. Like, you're right, Doomsday is in the trailer. Act 3 was all in the trailer. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? The end is in the trailer. Like, oh, oh, God, that movie. Yes. Um, so. Oh, God. It just makes me so I furious. The other th- reason this really upsets me is because it's funny. Like, we live in this world now that, like, Avengers is more popular than Justice League. But, like, 
before the Iron Man movie started the M- the MCU, Avengers was a way less known comic property. Like Justice League was the superhero team. Like there's the reason why they had an animated series that lasted for years on Cartoon Network and like so many more comics. Like sure, Avengers has been around since like the 60s, 70s, but like Justice League was way way above Avengers. But like because they Marvel took their time and built, introduced these characters and worked their way up to Avengers. Everyone loves the characters. So when they put them all together, it was a ton of fun. But Justice League, Warner Brothers is just like, well, we got to catch up. We got to catch up to Marvel Studios. Like they're already doing Avengers 2 and Avengers 3. Like we got to we got to catch up. So let's just fucking throw them into BVS and then we'll we'll figure it out later. And sure, I'm not saying they shouldn't have tried something different, but just not this way, like not half-assed. Like you're, you're, the like they announced all these movies before like scripts were written or anything like that. And sure, Marvel does that, but they at least have ideas and outlines and an overall scheme of where it's all going. Where like Warner Bros. is like, fuck, fuck, we gotta catch up, man. Like holy shit, like. This is how I would describe Warner Brothers right now is they're the people who woke up a minute before they were supposed to be at work and they're just fucking they're not showering. They're just throwing on deodorant and fucking, you know, putting on clothes, like not putting their tie on all the way, like missing buttons. They're just like, fuck, oh, shit. Like, we got to we got to catch up, man. We're going to be late. And I'm like, what is the goddamn hurry? You have three of the most popular comic book characters of all time with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And the fact that it took them years to do Wonder Woman, the fact that they fucked up Superman, which I personally don't like Superman, and then they were coming off these great Batman movies with Nolan, and they still kind of are eh, making questionable choices with that. So it's it's just this movie. Guys, I'm sorry. Joss can't save it. Joss is not a well, god. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he could save it. And honestly, like... I don't think he's as amazing of a filmmaker as some people would like to believe. Like, I mean, his Avengers and Age of Ultron are okay. They were, I mean, well, not Age of Ultron, but, like, the first one is okay, but it doesn't really hold up. So I think, arguably, don't, and I don't want to get into debate on this, I'm just saying my opinion, um, I I personally rank his movies lower on the Marvel totem pole. No, I do too. Okay, so like, I mean, that's another thing too. No, like, I agree. He's coming in I think he's a better it, writer than he is a director. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, look, I don't think that him coming in and him taking over for Zack Snyder is going to have any sort of effect. I don't think it's going to change anything. I think they're... They're too far along. Yeah. Like, they've already had trailers out and footage shot. And, and like, Warner Brothers executives clearly have their hands tightly wound on it. So no matter who's in it, they're not going to have, like, a ton of creative control to make changes. Um, So I I don't know. I think, like I said, I'm not a huge comic book fan. I'm not a huge superhero fan. I enjoy them. Um, But, like, as a film goer, it just feels like something that they are churning out to get fans to spend money on it. And that's ridiculous. Like, 
I think you have, like, the perfect imagery for it being the person who's, like, late to work and hasn't showered. Instead of just being like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I was 15 minutes late. But you know what? I'm here now. Let's kill the day, y'all. Like, you're right. They're disheveled <laughs> and they're messy. And they're like, oh, we got to make money, too. Oh, my God. And if they had just recognized, yeah. like, we're not going to be Marvel. We're not going to do the way they did it. We're going to do it our own way. We're still going to profit off it. But we're going to profit off it because fans enjoy this so much that they're going to want to see it. And they're going to want to bring their children to see it and their friends to see it yes like they're not going about it a patient calculated way to service the fans they're only servicing their profits and like i think that that's clearly visible so i i do feel like kind of bad for people who do love like aquaman and who love the flash and like love cyborg because they should get the movies like well if you love the flash watch the tv show i've heard it's good (laughs) that's another thing that really bothered me like why is there a tv version of the flash and they didn't even see what's his name barry jenkins is that an actor's name or am I thinking uh, of, no, he, or is that the guy that well, directed no, Moonlight? Yeah. That's the guy who directed Moonlight. Where did well, he come you're from? thinking of Barry Allen, which <laughs> is the character of The Flash, but Barry Allen is played by Grant Gustin on the CW The Flash show. And so like that was one thing that upset me too. But the only excuse that I'll allow is that there are multiple people that play The Flash. But like the thing that bugs me is like they also made it Barry Allen. Like they could have made this Wally West or Jay Garrick, like one of the other Flashes. But like also the Flash is a character that he runs so fast he goes into like alternate realities and different dimensions. So like maybe that's their excuse. I don't know. But anyway, I firmly am inclining people to not pay to see this movie. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying like torrent it, do anything illegally, nothing like that. I firmly believe that I'm going to be doing what I did for Fantastic Four back in 2015, which is I went to the theater and I respectfully asked the the cashier, I said, hi, I would like to see Fantastic Four, but I would like to pay to support another movie. And no joke, the guy said, we support the cause. That's amazing. (laughs) And so he let me, me and my friend, we bought two tickets to Trainwreck, but we saw Fantastic Four. And so, like, that's what I'm going to incline people to do with Justice League. And here's why. Because the movie's not going to be great. And I'm just telling you, it's just not. It could be decent, but it's not going to be great. It's just not. Support a smaller film because Justice League's going to make plenty of money. But I, that's why I'm inclining the, the people that listen to this show, please don't pay to see this movie. Because this is what's going to happen. If it does super well like they want it to... And, like, a lot of people from Wonder Woman are just excited to see her again and they go see it. It's going to do really well and they're going to be like, look, we could just continue to half-ass movies and people will pay it. Like, no, it has to be good. So that's my rant is please, please, please do not pay to see Justice League. Pay to see a smaller film like Molly's Game or Coco from Pixar or three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and then go see Justice League. You can still see the movie, but you can support a film that actually needs the box office uh, so that those filmmakers can make more movies because Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon, they're going to get plenty of work. Like, <laughs> Let's be honest. So, wait, Brandon, isn't the Flash movie, it doesn't have a director yet? Isn't that correct? Yeah, they, they had the guy who did Dope. And then I think he left, and then they had someone else in talks, and they left. Like, yeah, it's 
that film's kind of a mess as well. And then the Batman that's being directed by Matt Reeves has had a lot of issues. It was going to be directed by Ben Affleck. And that's kind of the reason he took the Batman role is so he could be Batman and then direct and write the movie. Yeah. <laughs> they threw, they, they threw out Ben Affleck's script. They removed him as director. And of course he said, Oh, I want to focus on the character. Bullshit. Ben, they threw you out. And now Matt Reeves is rewriting the script from scratch and uh, directing it. And so, yeah, it's just Warner Brothers is such a mess. Well, I was going to say that I think while our listeners should not only not pay to see Justice League and financially support a smaller film, I think they should also all hop on Twitter right now and start the hashtag Barry Jenkins 4, as in the number 4, Flash, just because I accidentally <laughs> said Barry Jenkins should be the Flash, and I think he should direct the Flash. Cause hey, he, Moonlight was great. Like he's he should. Why not oh, throw him a big budget movie? So everyone, Barry Jenkins for <laughs> Flash, and tweet it at Warner Brothers. Okay. Let's really confuse them. <laughs> oh God. So I'm sorry if that got heated. I know there's probably some listeners that got like, wow. Brandon sounds like a prick, and I can be sometimes, but I'm very passionate about superhero movies. And I think the big reason that we're in a slump right now where like a lot of people are like, man, I'm getting really fatigued with superhero movies. I'm getting really fatigued with them. It's because people keep going to see the shitty ones. Like, it's obvious when they're going to be good or not. Go see the good ones. Don't see the shitty ones. And then that way, when you only see the good ones, it, they're spread out, and you're, you're not as fatigued because you're only seeing one, maybe two a year, opposed to like if you go to like all fucking four or five of them and three of them suck, you have a bad taste in your mouth. So I'm sorry. That's also, it's kind of directed at a certain friend of mine who's saying that he's like done seeing superhero movies. And I'm like, no, just be done seeing the shitty ones. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, economics, supply and demand. We demand less shitty movies and we get less shitty movies. It's great. So, yes. I don't know, so, again, I'm, look, like, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry if there's listeners who, like, love this movie, they're really excited for Justice League, because neither one of us have anything positive to say about it, but it just, again, goes back to the idea that I feel like, as an audience member, someone is just seeing me as, as a dollar bill, which they always do, but, like, in this case, like, they don't even care about people like you, who, like, love comic books and want to see a good adaptation, they don't give a shit about yes. you, and, like... It's very obvious. So, like, yeah, go support a movie that was made to tell stories and to touch audiences and make people feel good leaving the theater. Like, fuck DC. Except for Wonder Woman. She's great. She's lovely. (laughs) Yeah, so on that note, let's move on to December, the final month of 2017. Some movies coming out. Um, there are two big ones I know we're excited for, so we can end on a happy note. But let's uh, let's just do a couple quick shout-outs of some of the other ones coming out. There's uh, The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Yes, my favorite actor, Michael Shannon, is in that too. And The Shan Man never lets me down, so I'm very excited for it. Yeah, it's been... A lot of people thought it was going to win at Toronto Film Festival. It's a very peculiar-looking fantasy, sci-fi, romance-type movie. Um... I saw the trailer. It looks interesting. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to see it because I'm probably going to be seeing one or both of these movies we're going to be talking about soon, probably multiple times. So can I just like um, sidebar for a minute with the trailer? Sure. I really liked the trailer, 
and I obviously haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know for sure, but it just felt like a lot of the movie was in the trailer. Like, I felt like I was seeing things from the third act that, like, was in the trailer. And so, like, I don't know about that. I didn't really... I don't know. There were just a lot of things that were, like, wait a minute. Wait, why is this still going? Like, wait, we're delving into this part of the plot now? What? So, like, I don't know. That kind of always makes me weary when, like, things that seem like they're towards the end or in the trailer, so I don't know about that. Yeah, so a um, couple other movies. And these are not always necessarily movies we're going to see, but just other ones coming out. There's Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which actually looks better than I thought it would, um, with The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Karen Gillan. Um, yeah. Did you see the trailer for this? So I am a weirdo because I am very indifferent about Jumanji because as a child, I was so terrified of the movie. I hated it. I was too. I was freaked out when he turned into the sand thing. When he goes into the game. Okay, so like, I swear to God. When that I was freaked me the fuck when out. I was younger, <laughs> when I was like a little child, and I would act up, a shout out to my mom again because my mom would instead of like yell at me and like tell me to like you know, do do this, she'd be like Jessica, act better or I'm gonna be putting on Jumanji later, and it would freak me out <laughs> so much. So I would listen. I'd be like, oh gosh, oh no, oh no, not Jumanji. <laughs> But no, seriously, that that freaked me the fuck out. And so many people are like, well, just watch after that part. I'm like, but I'm already tainted. But um, so, yeah, exactly. So I am so indifferent because I never loved it as a kid. I hated it. So but like, I don't know. It was interesting to take like um, modernized in a video game. So we'll see. Um, Yeah, it just I I didn't think it was going to have that twist that the, you know, The Rock and Kevin Hart, that they're kids like, but, like, in the video game that they're the characters in the game. Like, it's just, it's an interesting plot device that I didn't think would be um, what they're doing. So, it, it I'm going to wait and see how it does reviews-wise. And, I don't know, there's a couple other movies I want to see in December, but you never know. If some people, friends, really want to see it, I may be open to it. Um, Another, like, super fun franchise movie that's coming out that I didn't actually realize was coming out this soon until I was doing research for this episode is Pitch Perfect 3. That comes out in December. uh, It does. I feel like there should be more trailers for it. I feel like I haven't seen anything for it. I've seen plenty Um, in theaters. There's I've seen the trailer at least a few times. Really? I haven't seen it once. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, like, a huge fan, does it? I uh, I haven't seen the second one. I liked the first one as much as everybody else. But yeah, I didn't realize that was already coming out. Um, another musical yeah. that makes no sense to me is The Greatest Showman. Have you seen the trailer for that? Uh, I have. A Hugh Jackman probably going for an Oscar. Yeah, and he probably will get it because he's Hugh Jackman. Um, one other film that I'm super curious about is an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie we have coming in December. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to bring up Downsizing. <laughs> downsizing? What's up? Oh, you haven't seen it? It's actually a really cool trailer. That ju- it's by Alexander Payne. Um, it stars Matt Damon, Kristen Wiig, Christoph Waltz, Jason Sudeikis, Neil Patrick ha- Harris, and Alec Baldwin. So basically, it's like in the future, um, like we're so overpopulated that they have created basically a shrinking ray 
that can shrink you down and live in like these smaller communities, like, like, like literally like the size of like, probably like our fingers. And, um, but what's weird is they show in the trailer that like, once you get shrunk, like you can't go back, but like your money is worth way more when you're small and you like everyone lives in like these mansions and like they have all these pools and like that, like life seems like super great, like as a small person. But, uh, yeah, it just, it looks like a very interesting trailer that like, it looks like it can be kind of comedic, but also dramatic. Um, yeah. So downsizing, uh, the trailer just came out, I think within the last week or so, and it certainly looks interesting. I'll check that out. I would definitely check it out. Yeah. I like Alexander Payne. I think he's great. And the cast sounds really awesome. Um, but no, I was talking about an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film. So we don't know the title yet. And all we know about it is that, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is playing a dressmaker in 1950s London. So everything is super... Of course he is. Yeah, right, of course. (laughs) He is. But, like, it just sounds uh, very vague for Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, So we'll see what that's like, I guess. But um, I believe that after this, supposedly, Daniel Day-Lewis is done. I think he's over it, which is fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm not going to, (laughs) like... I mean, he's all right. He's good, but, like, eh, all right. He's good, but I think he's, like, making it too much of a thing. I think he's good, but he thinks he's better. And it's like, okay, I get you. You're, you're a fine actor. Calm down, please. Like, I understand not wanting to be, like, someone who's in, like, six movies a year and, like, most of them are shitty. But, like, like yeah, he's won Oscars and he's been nominated pretty much every time. But, like, it just feels so... I don't know. It, I, <laughs> I just, it's like, I can't stand like, when actors chill. like announce their <laughs> retirement. It just feels like whenever Cher announces a retirement tour, it's like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, all right, sure. Um, but with him, yes. I don't, I don't really have any indifferent feelings. I'm more excited like that. It's Paul Thomas Anderson, even though I have no idea what it's about. Like I'm excited to see what he does next. Um, but the two movies... So shall we yes. bring it to our heavy hitters? Yes, yes. I think, for me, these are the two ones that are huge in December, but I think the two I'm looking forward to the most this fall. Yes. Uh, yeah, these these two and three billboards outside of Emming, Missouri. But, um, so let's first talk about one that we, we actually brought it up on the first podcast you were on when we talked about Best Bad Movies. And, um... That's the disaster artist. Um, if you guys actually want to hear me talking way more in depth about this, I was a guest on the movie Trailer Trash, hosted by Charlie and Death, Charlie and Bethany Duber. Um, we watched the trailer. It was actually the teaser trailer for Disaster Artist, and I I totally was teaching Charlie all about the story of this film because. Brief, brief, brief rundown. The Room came out in 2003. It was a super, super, super shitty movie that, like, became, like, a overnight, like, well, not overnight, but, like, eventual, like, cultural phenomenon, um, cult classic type thing. And basically, one of the co-stars in the movie, Greg Sestero, wrote a book called The Disaster Artist, and now that's being adapted into 
The Disaster Artist, which stars James Franco, who's also directing, stars Dave Franco, Allison Brie, Seth Rogen, and a shit ton of people cameo- cameoing. So yeah, Jess, um, this is finally happening. This is finally <laughs> happening. The room is becoming mainstream, which is nuts. Um, and possibly Oscar contender? Yeah. <laughs> what if? I, I hope so. I don't know what to think if that's a possibility or not. I hope so. Um, but gosh, like, I, I loved the book. Like, I, I really like reading, but very rarely does a book actually, like, make me laugh out loud because I'm just, it's so uh, cerebral to read. Like, I'm just in my head, so I don't ever get pulled out and start laughing. But with this book, I was just dying. I was, like, cracking up every few sentences. It's so well written. It's so funny. Um, and just, like, the hysterical... I guess you could call it antics on set of trying to make this movie just like the wacky bizarre things that happened it's unbelievable um there's so much in that book so I really am excited to see like how much they put into an hour and a half like what is selected as like the parts that are in the movie god I hope it's two hours me too I hope it's three like I hope it's keep going like I'll watch all of it actually I have the IMDB page up right now it's an hour and 38 minutes it's actually pretty Shit. short for everything I want, in it. I only just saw The Room uh, it, uh, on April Fool's Day, no less. And um, it's something... It <laughs> There's life before The Room, and then there's life after The Room. It's astonishing. So now that it's going to be made into a Dave Franco movie, and like they're not spoofing it. That's what's so funny is, like, they're playing it straight and they're letting the absurd antics that you were talking about in the book just be the comedy. Yeah, which I think is genius because, like, that's... I mean, that's sort of what the making of The Room was, where the scenes were played straight. Everything was taken very seriously. And then on set, it was, like, all of these crazy things were happening and that's what was comedic about, like, the book. Um, Sorry. Um... The book also, what I like about it is that it switches each chapter, so it alternates from being like on the actual set and in the production of the room to Greg and Tommy's personal life in L.A. and trying to come up in this career. And so I think that's interesting, too. It's not only like a funny, wacky sort of story of Hollywood, but it's also about these two guys just trying to make it in the business and doing what they love, and that's kind of... Interesting to see that, especially for someone like Tommy Wiseau, who's beyond nuts. Um, but yeah, I'm like I'm beyond excited for this movie. Uh, it premiered back uh, in March at South by Southwest, and it got like super good reviews right away. And then it was just recently at TIFF where Wiseau was at for the screening. So like, hey, Tommy. Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> another thing that's super interesting is that both Seth Rogen and Dave Franco have said that. James directed this whole thing in character as Tommy Wiseau. So that's also just another layer of this whole story, is he's directing Tommy Wiseau, the movie about Tommy Wiseau's making of his movie as Tommy Wiseau. Like, that's nuts. That's insane. Yeah. So one thing that's, like, it's so unbelievable for people who haven't seen the movie or people who haven't read the book is, like, okay, so there's the teaser trailer and, like, they, within the last couple of weeks, released the official trailer where they showed tons of shit happening on set where one of them at the very end is, like, James Franco or Tommy Wiseau um, is fully nude 
and he goes up to Dave Franco's character Greg and is just like um, he's like no Greg I need to show my ass to sell this movie like he basically is like implying like he needs to show his ass like like that's what people want to see like that's what's going to make people put the you know put asses in the seats so well to see his ass and um yeah like some people will probably see that in the trailer and be like oh that's silly like the guy thinks his ass is going to sell the movie it's like no like that that's that's straight from the book like that <laughs> <laughs> but straight from a story that Greg told in the book is that Tommy's like, I need to show my ass to sell this movie. And so so to see all that come to life, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it must be, like, very interesting for someone who's never experienced the room and have like has, like, no idea what that is. Because, yeah, it does look like just a quirky, weird story that, like, weird movie. And it's actually all based in reality. Um and yeah, there is honestly so much we could say about the making of the room, the plot of the disaster artist. Like, there's so much we could talk about. Um, That's why we're gonna do an entire podcast on the room, and then an entire podcast on the disaster artist. It needs two separate episodes. It really does, <laughs> like because they're two very different beasts, right? Like the room is just its own thing, and then the making of the room it's its whole entirely different thing. So yeah, I think two episodes would be perfect to cover that. There's a lot happening. But yeah, I'm I'm yes. excited. Like, like I said, like the room is mainstream. Like that's wild, and like I am excited. I I really believe that it's gonna do something great. I I feel like a lot of faith that it's in Franco's hands. Um, so I cannot wait for this one. Yeah, me neither. Um, so that leads us to the film that I believe we're both most excited for coming in December, and that's Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. I am so excited. Now, I do need to say, before we get into anything, um, I absolutely love Star Wars so, 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 so much. And this is... uh, God, it's such a big deal for me. But one thing I am doing as a huge Star Wars fan is going in with, like, almost as little information as possible. So... But I'm still a very curious person, so it's like I have seen the trailer, I have seen the featurette, I've seen the images, like I'm still like into it. But like I am not getting into theories about like the Knights of Ren, I'm not getting into theories about what The Last Jedi means, because I don't, I'm not focusing on any of that. I want to go in without any sort of theory, without any sort of thought. There's been a few theories that like I've heard that I think are ridiculous, but like I'm just going in as like almost a blank slate who's just like super excited to see where it goes. I'm not going to be guessing plot lines um so yeah but anyway I am so so excited I oh gosh well one thing that I do want to touch on is that there has been some interesting shake-ups with the Star Wars franchise at large over at Disney um yes (laughs) but I gotta say all of that does not make me weary about Rain Johnson I think he's gonna do okay yeah, um, the reason I've been so excited with uh, Ryan Johnson like being the writer director is because like I loved Looper and like I know he's done other movies like some that were less well received. Everyone liked Brick, and but then like some people were kind of like iffy on Looper, but like I just loved. How, like, when you really, like, I always tell people, like, you've probably seen it and thought it was okay, but, like, go back and watch it, because it's a movie that, for me, the more I watch it, the more it gets better, and the more things I notice, like, that he 
does with his writing and his direction. And, like, I was so excited to see someone like him be brought on for Star Wars because, you know, J.J. had a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure with The Force Awakens. I mean, he was coming off the prequels, and so he had to... I think he had to make it very homage and very nostalgic because he had to win audiences back. But, like, with Episode Eight and Ryan Johnson, I mean, he directed some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, and I think he's a talented writer-director that, like, this is going to be his, like, humongous breakout film... And, like, you could just tell, like, just like with J.J. or some of the other filmmakers, like, he just has so much love for the Star Wars franchise. He um, is telling a story that I've heard could possibly be controversial, but slash, like, really, like, different and just, like, um, it's exciting because Mark Hamill, like, I mean, we've all seen Force Awakens by now. If you haven't, get, come on. Um Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, really wasn't in Force Awakens. But now he's, like, a heavy character in it. And so it's interesting to see a guy who, besides doing voice work for a while, he hasn't done a lot of live acting that much. Like, he's coming back a little bit, but, like, it looks like a really interesting role. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you touched on a lot just now, so I'm going to just backtrack <laughs> <Sorry>. a bit. <laughs> no, there's a lot to talk about. But, like, um, yeah, going back to Ryan Johnson, I have always actually... Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Um, <laughs> Do you say Rain? Yeah, I've saw... I've, okay, I liked Brick, like, way back when it first came out, and when I first saw his name like that, I thought it was Ryan. So I've been saying Ryan for, like, ten years, and then... When he gets Star Wars, it's like, oh, no, it's it's a Ryan. It's not Rain. So I, I keep saying it, but it's just like my brain sometimes glitches. It's like the Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman thing. But um, even, like, back with Brick and, like, Brothers Bloom and, like, Looper, like, all of his films, even though Brick was, like, set in reality, they've always sort of had this, like, grandiose feel to it like something otherworldly so like I think that he makes sense as a director for Star Wars um even though he's not like a super well-known name obviously I don't even know how to pronounce his name like he has experience which is something that I feel like the directors for the Han Solo origin story may not necessarily have had with like a big budget like this so I have faith in him. I think he's going to do well. As a writer, I don't know. Um, I have heard, like, he has taken the story in, like, ways you won't expect it, uh, which is not necessarily bad. It's just keeping us on our toes. But, like, one thing that I'm not, like, like, I don't know for sure about is that Lawrence Kasdan is not writing this at all. He's not involved in the writing. And so that's interesting. I don't know if that'll be apparent or not, if it'll be noticeable that he's not a part of it. Uh, I don't know. Um, I do think that it will be interesting to have Luke more in it. I think we could potentially get a lot of history with, like, gaps filled in that we don't know about that we're waiting to find out answers to. Um, but um, there's so many additions to the cast as well, which is super exciting. Um you know, we have our, our our regulars, so we have our Mark Hamill and our Carrie Fisher, and then we got our newcomers, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, Daisy Wrigley, Damal Gleason, 
Adam Driver, and then we have new members like Laura Dern and Benicio Del Toro. Um, so I'm also interested to see who these new characters are and these new, like, also these new creatures coming into the world. Have you seen the Porgs? They're so cute. Yeah. They're so cute. <laughs> I love it already so much. Um, I'm I'm so excited. I Also, I, I have to say, I really like that we know Finn is alive and well in the trailer. Like, I like that they didn't try to hide that, like, he's going to gain consciousness again and he's going to, like, pick up and start fighting. Because um, I wasn't sure where exactly they were going to be taking the Finn storyline, and I like that they're not hiding it. Again, back to, like, Justice League, who thinks we're stupid and we're all supposed <laughs> to believe Superman is dead or whatever. Like, they're not <laughs> trying to fool us. They're like, you know, no, Finn's very much alive. Here he is running around. Like, I do like that. Um... I don't, I don't know. I I just love Star Wars so much that I am beyond excited for it. Um, I watched the featurette, like, right before we started recording, and, like, I almost started tearing up because it's so good. Yeah, it just... I... The, the, everyone was excited, obviously, for Force Awakens, which I totally was, and everyone was excited for Rogue One because it was the first kind of anthology film to do something, like, without, like, the Skywalkers. And, like, the reason I think I'm most excited for this one, like, not just because of Ryan Johnson, but is because... And, like, I think this is the problem with, like... Because I feel like lately a lot of people have said that Force Awakens doesn't age well. Which like my thing like oh they did another bigger Force Death Star. Awakens doesn't age well. It came out a year ago. Two years Two ago. Two years yeah. ago. How does it not age? So, Who's saying these things? That's, they're saying that like they're saying like we first saw it and we had our nostalgia glasses on. Two years on, ago. And, like, now <laughs> like we didn't. It's like it doesn't age well. It's that's like. They say, two like, there's years. too many Easter eggs, There's it's too close to, like, he homaged too much of the original and, like, all this stuff. But anyway, like, that's what people have been saying. And my defense is always that, like, you guys are looking at it just as a film as if this was just a new Star Wars film. Like, this came out ten years after Return, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And, like, so many people were upset about the prequels so many people were like no like they should stop making star wars and this and like oh jj's gonna ruin it and you know lucas isn't doing it and lucas this and like there's been so much like heated passionate arguments over these films that like i feel like jj had to bring it back kind of like down to earth like all right we're gonna try to build more sets we're gonna do less green screen we're gonna you know, try to bring this back to, like, the roots of the original trilogy, which I think he totally did. And so what I always will tell people is, like, sure, there may be flaws. It may feel repetitive. It may feel like something we've seen in Star Wars before. But I honestly think that's what we needed to kick off this new franchise. And so what has me so excited for Episode Eight is, like, okay, we had Force Awakens. People loved it. We had Rogue One. People really enjoyed it. But now let's get into the new shit. Like we are eased back in. Like it's it's kind of like, you know, we got our sea legs like back. We're <laughs> we're ready like for new shit. And so that's why I think based on just like the trailer, like I really think this could be 
obviously people are like, oh, is this going to be the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy? Like, it's going to get darker? Like, sure, everyone always thinks that, but I'm just excited for it's going to be new. And it's... I want to see, like you said, where these characters have gone. I want to see where, like, how long has it been between the films? Like, I... Uh, I know they say it starts, like, the moment that Force Awakens ended, but, like, is there a time jump? Like, I, there's so many questions. I'm so excited. Um, this has been, ever since 2017 started, like, the number one film I'm most excited for. Yeah, I mean, if you had told me at, like, age seven that I would one day get to see more Star Wars films, besides the god-awful prequels, like... I would have literally jumped up and down with excitement, and I would have freaked out. Like... I still have that love for Star Wars, and I'm still excited to see it. And, like, okay, like, yeah, like, if there are people who, like, rag on Force Awakens already or, like, aren't excited because they think it's going to be, like, Empire, like, they, I don't think they really get the magic of Star Wars. Like, I, I don't... I just... I love it, and I think it encapsulates such magnificent storytelling down to, like, the tiny creatures that are hanging out in the cantinas like those that is amazing to me the whole world of star wars is why i am here it's why i got into film it's why i'm talking to you about films right now it is everything it is the backbone of my passion for this industry so for me it's an, it's not just like oh, i'm gonna go see a movie for those people like yeah maybe it's not their cup of tea but for me it's it's a whole world that I get to go into, and it's a world that's been with me since I was a kid. So, like, I'm excited. I don't, I don't see, I don't have any negative feelings about it going in. There's some where I'm like, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm just excited to just go in for the ride. And like I said, I know, I know, like, base level amount of details. I know who's in it. I know who's coming back. Like, I know certain plot lines, like, about, like you said, like, it's going to start right away. Like, I know those things, but I'm just going in, like, ready for that roller coaster, similar with, like, Force Awakens. I knew very little going into it, and it was just all, like, an emotional ride for me. Um, so I'm excited to go back into that again. I am such a, a Star Wars fan, though. Like, I mean, I literally saw Force Awakens 12 times in theaters, and, like, it was what... Wait. Yeah. It, you got up to 12? Uh-huh. <laughs> No, straight up. Like, there was one time when um, my friends and I were out, and I was talking to the Uber driver about about Force Awakens. And I was like, oh, my God, how many times have you seen it in theaters? And my Uber driver was like, um, I saw it once. And my friend just looked at me, and she's like, Jessica, like, that's not a normal thing to, like, ask somebody. Like, we all see it, like, once. I saw it twice. And at that point, I was on viewing number eight. So, like, I... <laughs> I love it so, so much. You don't even... Like, this is my my thing. Um, so fuck the haters. Star Wars is amazing. <laughs> no, I, I loved it, too. And I, I was mad I only saw it once in theaters. Like, I wanted to. I just... Uh, that Because that was at a time where I hadn't tried seeing a movie by myself yet. But, like, now I feel like episode eight will be so good that I'll, I'll have to see it multiple times. Okay, so my thing is, like, I actually saw it with people because, um, turns out, like, when you tell guys you're a Star Wars fan, they want to take you to see it. So I got a lot, like, like, like I, I got, a, like, I'd say I only paid for, like, like, eight of the times I saw it. <laughs> only eight of the times. <laughs> 
which is still a lot. That's like $80 worth of movie viewing for the same movie. But I was so obsessed with it. Like, I would go into a different... I'm such a crazy person. Like, I would go into it different times studying different parts. Like, one viewing was just a case study on BB-8, and I focused the whole movie on BB-8. <laughs> it was insane. Like, I'm insane. Um, so clearly, I'm going to be single. Wait, wait, wait. By the way, this is the same person who thought I was insane for how many times I've rewatched Game of Thrones. <laughs> so... I think it's a little like so you have time. See that's the thing is like don't say you don't have time when that movie's like two, two and a half hours and you saw it twelve yeah. times. So let let's okay. do the math how many hours that that's is. That's true. I never really thought of it that way. I guess you could be yes. right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um the prosecution rests. All right. We all have our things, I guess, and mine is insane love of Star Wars. Uh, I know. I'm That's the thing. Sick. Like, I love it too. I just, I, at the time, I was not seeing movies by myself, and like, I, uh, I ended up seeing things like Hateful Eight or like some other things around that time. But like, yeah, I, I feel like I. Okay, I will have to say once I bought it, I've seen it like a shit ton. By the way, one tiny thing I want to say is like I like when Star Wars comes out around Christmas time. Like, I don't like like. I think both this movie and also episode nine, they originally wanted them to come out in May, but then they pushed them to December because of like filming schedules and whatnot. And I'm sorry, but like, I think star Wars shouldn't be released in the summer because like, I feel like, like, and this sounds like maybe too fanboy or too pretentious, but like, like I don't want it to be released next to like, I don't know, like, uh, Guardians 2 or like um, next to like the Transformers movies or Pirates 5 like I don't want it next to them because like it's not like Star Wars is above those movies now like it, it went from creating the blockbuster to being above the blockbuster I think coming out in December I think is so much better for them because usually December there's not that many good movies and a lot of people are home for Christmas they see their family everyone in the most families like everyone loves Star Wars if you're not like come on and that way they get better box office return December January February because January February there's usually not that many good movies so like you can go see it 12 times. Yeah, you know? no, you're so right. <laughs> like, like, because, like, I went back home for Christmas, and so one of those times I saw it with my sister, who loves Star Wars as well. One of those times I saw it with my sister and my nana. One of those times I saw it with my best friend, who loves Star Wars as much as I do. So, like, it's also, you're right, like, it's its own beast. It's its own thing. It's, in my opinion, maybe I'm biased as well, it's it's very different from a summer blockbuster you can't even compare them but there's also this communal viewing experience we all get to do with our loved ones which also just makes it even more of a special film yeah like because like okay if they had gone with like i think they wanted to go with like a may release date just imagine like and this sounds so stupid like because like i said star wars is above it but like I wouldn't have wanted... Because then, if it comes out with a bunch of other summer movies, and it happens to be a summer where there are some good ones, like, maybe I'll only see it Mm -hmm. once. Like, because, like, oh, I want to see Baby Driver, I want to see War for the Planet of the Apes, or The Big Sick, or, like, I have options. Whereas, like, December, I hate to say, there's not that many options. Like, now that there's Disaster Artists this year, but, like, 
usually end of December going into January, it's very thin choices. So it just makes more sense for dis- uh that to be like that's when the new Star Wars like I would love that they just plant a flag like Lucasfilm you're making plenty of money already just plant a flag and be like December that's when the new Star Wars movie comes out <laughs> I agree I I like that it sort of has its own time uh, well Jess do you have yourself an LOL of the week to close this out I do and I would say another week in a row I am on point with the LOLs of the week um, very topical, always relevant. What can I say? Um, so <laughs> I found this photo just, I think I was just like scrolling through Instagram or Twitter, you know how you do it. And, um, I, it was one of those things that I just like died laughing, even though I realized it wasn't as funny as like what I think it is. You know how you do that on the internet. Um, so it's a photo of Carmen San Diego and where's Waldo? Where's Waldo saying, oh fuck. Because Boba Fett just walked in, and he's like, it's the best. And it just made me happy, because Star Wars. This is uh, not a usual LOL of the week. It's not a specific thing that has made me laugh, but something that's been progressively making me laugh for the last few weeks now. Um, I've been re-binging what used to be one of my favorite shows, and I kind of gave it a break for like a few years. And that's the show Psych. Have you ever seen Psych? I've never seen Psych. It is one of the most underrated shows. I mean, it went eight seasons, so obviously people were watching it. But no, it is... I forgot how fucking funny this show is. Like, the the humor is very meta and a uh, lot of TV movie references. Um, it's, it's very much like it kind of reminds me of shows like Community that reference a bunch of things. And the comedic timing of James Roday and Dulé Hill as the main two characters, it just, like, it almost astonished me how I forgot how great the show was. Like, I always loved it. But there's so many witty one-liners. And um, the show, like, it's... it's I've been in a period in my life now where, like, I, I've been trying to focus on more positive things and I've been having not watched a lot of dramas in a little while because I haven't wanted to feel sad. So I put this show on and it has just made me so fucking happy. It's like Parks and Rec or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, it just makes me happy. I, I forgot how funny it is. But, uh, so yeah, check out Psych if you haven't. Um, it's well worth the watch. But, um, Yeah. Any anything else you want to plug? Go see Wind River. <laughs> we really want to see it. You should too. <laughs> yes, go see that, and don't pay to see Justice League. Don't pay to see Justice League. <laughs> I, no, but seriously, oh, I do have something to plug. I'm so stupid. Hashtag Barry Jenkins for Flash. We're gonna start it. No, seriously, this was just my brain like glitching. Maybe there's a reason. Like maybe my brain glitches for a reason, and I could just come up with like really great ideas. People just need to listen to me. Like Gary Oldman can play Alan Rickman in a movie. I'm just saying. I don't know. Um, so maybe this is like the thing, and like, you know, Barry Jenkins one day will be interviewed, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, you're such like an accomplished director. Like, what do you what do you credit your beginning for?" And he'll be like. One day, this uh, podcast has said I should direct The Flash, and then ever since then, I've been an esteemed director. What can I say? So let's do it. Hashtag Barry Jenkins for Flash. Yes. Moonlight. (laughs) It's great. 
<laughs> All right. Hashtag Barry Jenkins for Flash. Why the fuck not? Why not? <laughs> if Why someone not? does it, they would just make my day. Honestly, I would just I would be so happy. But why not? I've always wanted to trend something. Why not? Barry Jenkins seems like a fine guy. Hey, and after, you know, the whole La La Land stupid thing, like, he deserves a really nice moment that's just his. Why not give him the flash? (laughs) Hashtag Barry Jenkins for flash. Hashtag Barry Jenkins for flash. All right, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And, uh, yeah, have a... Have a good day slash morning slash night slash afternoon slash whenever you're listening to this. Whenever. We just hope you're doing well. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.